Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 253 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we are going to get down and dirty, okay? Because I have a lot of bones to pick. I know Victor has some bones to pick. But we are going to start the show with some really cool news, and that is... Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury have come to terms. October 28th, they are going to go 10 rounds in Saudi Arabia. Francis Ngannou got the damn bag, and I'm happy for him. I don't care what rules it's under. I will watch because, holy fuck, that's a big fight. Anybody out there saying, I won't watch, y'all are liars. You're going to watch. Victor, what do you think of this? Just in terms of the holy shit factor, just the whole, oh my God, this is really happening. That is enough to get a lot of people in the door. It worked for McGregor Mayweather, and McGregor had far less of a chance of winning that fight, but people deluded themselves to such a degree to think, yeah, you know what, he's going to go in there, and it broke people's brains, okay? Here you have a guy who... Maybe, just maybe, because of the chaos of heavyweight and the power that he brings, maybe he might do something. I don't know that I'd put money on it, but maybe, and that drives interest up a lot. And then you've got everything else surrounding it. Here's the guy who, as I always say, bet on himself, rolled the dice, and he fucking won. Before he even steps into the ring, he's a winner. And a winner of the greatest, of the highest magnitude possible. Because here's a guy who's getting everything he wanted out of PFL. He's probably getting everything he wants out of this boxing deal too, right? He's not shackled by the UFC. He's not limited by their financial uh, stipulations. He's not burdened by any limit on his extracurriculars. No, he's got everything right there. He has manifested this shit and marched hard. And I think this is extraordinary. I, unlike the Mayweather-McGregor farce, this is something I'd actually watch. It should be noted that uh, there will be judges ringside. It is under the 10-point must system, and no titles are on the line. That's that's mm-hmm. the long and the short of it. It's basically an exhibition match, but who gives a shit? We're going to get 10 rounds of these big motherfuckers going at it. I'm there for it. I don't care. Now, there's a lot of things surrounding this, and I could not help but laugh that Dana White immediately trended on Twitter to the tune of tens of thousands of engagements. And the reason why is because as soon as this news dropped, 
So many people rushed out to put their memes and their funny tweets out about Dana White rushing to the conference room with the rest of the brass and Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard so that they could whip up the supercard of the century to counter program on October 28th. He literally trended. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but Mick Maynard, he's already got his hands full. I know. With this weekend's card, that's the one that's oh, going to blow gonna everything out the fucking that. water. Yeah, we'll talk about <laughs> that part later. Hi, Mick. Love for, you, Mick. for now, let, let's just let's just look at Dana White trending because everybody's got his number. Now we're also going to look at some of the coverage of this because I could not help but notice Kevin Ioli putting out a title that my goodness. So embarrassing. I mean, if if you shield any harder, I mean, you, UFC would be signing your check. It's embarrassing. Let, let me read this title to you. Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou boxing match. Little more than a fraud upon the paying public. No. That is his headline on Yahoo Sports. Oh, Kevin, baby. Kevin, honey, at least get yourself something nice out of this. You know what I'm saying? At least, like, if I'm going to do some shit like that and I'm going to sell out, like, super hard just to get in the good graces of somebody, well, you know, motherfucker, at least get yourself, like, a parking space at the PI. Mm. You know? At least get yourself one of those, like, UFC hot dog branders. Something. Something out of it. Kevin, baby, think up. Mm. Be more be more aggressive about it. No, this, this is what the fuck this motherfucker want to dedicate his life to. But how can you take this? This is the biggest farce, not Mayweather McGregor. This one. Okay. No, yeah. let, let's backtrack a little bit. This is the biggest farce, not Zuckerberg Musk, that the UFC is actively trying to promote. That's not the biggest farce here. I beg to defer there, Mr. Ioli. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll give him a slight pass on that because I'm going to assume, without reading the piece, that he's referring exclusively to matters pertaining to boxing and not something that would have to do with MMA. So on a very, very, very tiny technicality, I'm going to let him rock on that. Because frankly, that's not even the most egregious part of this shit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Bro, just explain this shit to me. Seriously, how is this something that you're not at least marginally interested in seeing? You can absolutely point out the fact that, yes, you're coming in, if you're Francis Ngannou, you're coming in with a significant experience disadvantage. You're dealing with the biggest... You know, the, 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 the best heavyweight of our current era. An all-timer, you know what I mean? Win or lose, he's still going to look great because if he loses, he lost to the best, right? So that's another element of savvy that a lot of people are overlooking here. How are you going to sit there and say that this is somehow some sort of insulting, egregious thing? What does he want? What Does he, does he want uh, Fury to fight Usyk? I know a lot of people do, but guess what? From what I understand, Fury's not obligated to fight anybody right now contractually right so he can do that he can fuck off and take this fight and be okay but i just don't understand and i i just refuse to try to understand kevin ioli at an at an atomic level of how he thinks because he's prone to doing dumb shit like this and i don't understand how i i mean i, I guess i do understand i've said this for many years when when you watch like an nfl broadcast or something like that i'm not very i'm not overly familiar with foot, american football not an expert. I don't like it. It's not my thing. 
But occasionally, you know, you're at somebody's house, you know, they're they're watching the game, and you see the pre-show, and you see the halftime show, and you see the guys talking, and the analysts seem to have less of an idea what's going on than the fans. And that happens in combat sports, too. This is a guy who's been around this game way too long, and he's way too grown at his big age to be saying and doing shit like this. I don't get it. And frankly, there's nothing to get. This is just... This is who he is, and you're going to have a lot of people like this, and it's just a matter of filtering out who you want to listen to and who not. Exactly. And for all those people out there that talked about, oh, Francis Ngannou fumbled the bag. (laughs) (laughs) What you got to say now? Fumbled the bag. He's getting the biggest fight on earth. ESPN, the UFC's broadcasting partner, they're not going to ignore this. You know what I mean? Everybody's going to be talking about this, whether you're a boxing head, whether you're an MMA fan, everyone's going to be paying attention and not a lick of any of this shine that this is going to get is going to get to the UFC. And that's got to be keeping Dana awake tonight. I mean, I, I, I just when I found out about this, when I heard the news, it was probably close to 7 a.m. Pacific time. And I'm sitting there going, man, <laughs> there's probably going to be another you're probably going to be feeling another seismic movement. You know, not 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 like the the not much unlike the one from last week. And it's going to be Dana punching the ground when he reads the fucking news on his phone. God damn it. He did it. Oh, no. Uh, what a small and petty man. Indeed. And he's getting smaller. Have you noticed the, the latest images of him show him downright thin? Like he has cut several. I, w- I would estimate at least 25 pounds. And I couldn't help but notice that people were saying that maybe he's on Ozempic. I think that's the name of the the new diet drug that's all the rage. Oh, oh God. Yes. I mean, his latest photos, he is very slender. I mean, he doesn't, outside of the big bobble head, that body is not the same at all. It, it goes beyond what I thought it was when he first revealed that that photo about two months back where he's super shredded and he's in a pool and there's another dude there and it looks kind of weird. But anyway, very weird. But I don't know lo- if that was Photoshop or not. Or like no, if maybe it, he had like, ab, you know, the, the ab implant rack that they put into some of these older dudes. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, is that it looked like he had gotten ab sculpting done, which isn't exactly, you know, insertion of fake abs. It's basically they go in and they do micro lipo around oh, your okay. abs to, to clean it up, give you those pelvic cuts and things like that. That's okay. what I thought had happened. But now looking at this dramatic weight loss in just that, you know, two months since that photo came out, I'm thinking maybe everybody that's saying that he's on Ozempic, maybe they're on to something because that kind of weight loss. Wow. I mean, it's really obvious, too. Yeah, well, he's going to be losing a lot more weight, skipping more meals when he starts crying into his fucking oatmeal over this one fumbled the bag okay all right i i just don't understand why people have to be so like if it's not under the purview of what you're familiar with somehow it's wrong somehow it's bad it's like living with my parents (laughs) this is is like typical immigrant family shit like no 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 no. i don't know what that is don't bring it into the house like no no this is actually good this is this is new and fresh and novel and it can work yeah well it's working like a motherfucker 
Francis is getting everything. And, you know, this is it's never happened before. And, you know, this this has to be something that's infuriating. I I know that everybody made the same joke at the same time. I'm guilty of it myself. Mm -hmm. But um, I was wondering, like, what the next surprise announcement Mm -hmm. is going to be this week. I'm just wondering what that is. While we're here talking about boxing, I could not help but notice that 47 fucking year old Vanderlei Silva (laughs) is going to make his boxing debut against a YouTuber. So he's going to do celebrity boxing. So I guess that takes a little of the sting off of it. But really, he's going to fight a 37 year old bodybuilding YouTuber named Felipe Franco. And they're supposed to meet at a show called Attack Fight Show on November 25th. Um, Listen, Vanderlei, you did not go out as, how do I want to put this, as gracefully as Vitor did. Because Vitor is still able to go out there and compete a little bit. He's boxed and he's done well. But Vanderlei... I'm sorry, Vanderlei looks punch drunk, looks like, mm. you know, a living, breathing, walking case of CTE. There's there's no two ways around that. I don't want to see him get tuned up by a bodybuilder. Now, I'm not saying that he can't win here. Maybe he can. But I don't know. I don't like this very much. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Victor, how, how do you look at this one? I mean, it's got to go better than that Sonnen fight he had in Bellator. Right. And, you know, I just, you know, a bit of a slight brag. I was there for that. Um, I, I, I don't, I, okay. So when you're in these situations, right, you, you can't just look at the fight itself. You have to zoom out. Again, context is key. This man, 47 years old. I don't know how much he saved. I don't know how much he's got, but not too long ago, not even two months ago, he was out here crowdfunding, asking for assistance because of a bunch of gambling debt. Mm-hmm. That he had accrued. Now, correlation and causation don't always go hand in hand, but you got to assume that there might be a link here, right? I don't think it's irresponsible to make an educated guess and say, hey, maybe these two things are linked. A man's hurting for cash. Somebody's willing to throw a bunch of money at him. And you know what, man? I mean, if that's what the move is, then that's what the move is. He's going to go out there and get that that coin. I would not begrudge him for doing so. But at the same time, now you got to add that layer that you uh, that you just mentioned, and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. This dude is not well. This dude has been, he took a lot of abuse, a lot of head trauma, and now at that advanced stage, it's harder to bounce back from it. I don't really know. Like, I'm always about, hey, go chase that paper. Go ahead and get that money. But it, it, it's it's such a, it, it feels so much more, it's, it, it, like a much more grotesque spectacle when you're talking about somebody who's got this kind of mileage and who's in this sort of uh, condition at this point, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but on the bright side, he's fighting a bodybuilder. Like, I don't know. What's the guy's cardio going to be like? Can he move his arms and swing efficiently? Does he know what the hell he's doing? And can he, you know, outsmart the old guy who's actually got experience, you know, like these are things I have to say because they're within the realm of reality. Are they likely? Fuck no. I, I have no idea. Well, there are some other factors we need to consider here. Number one, Vanderlei has not been in any sort of competition since 2018. 
Number two, going back to the money issue that you pointed out, you know, he just had gambling debts. There is also something else that's a very big factor here. And that is that he tried his hand at politics, both in 2018 and 2022. He wanted to get a chair in the Brazilian Congress, but Mm -hmm. he failed both times. Now, campaigning for any political seat anywhere costs money. So I imagine that was quite a money suck as well. So we're looking at this and we all know why he's taking this fight. We all know. And I guarantee you he's the B-side. That's what sucks about this. Because it's one of those influencer fights. So Vanderlei is going to be the B-side here. He's probably going to make less than his opponent. And it's just really fucking sad. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, they had that uh, the evening of the year. That's that event from Spain last week. I don't know any of these fucking people. I only knew that one girl who's on Twitch, and I guess, I think she's one of the girls who got in trouble for doing, like, a a hot tub stream or something like that. I don't know. I mean, this is just because stuff I see from, like, video game websites and stuff, and, you know, of course, streaming gamers, that, that's, that's the only reason I know. But other than that, I didn't know any of these fucking people. And they're massive. These people have millions of fucking followers. And it just happens. It, it just, these people are incredibly popular. I don't know where the hell this money's coming from, but... I guess it's a thing. And I, yeah, that in terms of the A side, B side, it's sad to see an old dude go out like that, man. A man who was fighting in, in a, a, what was the, the, the Saitama arena, mm-hmm. 50 plus thousand people, you know, and now he's going to be doing this shit. Yeah. Bro, that's going out sad. On a YouTube stream. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have other news here, and I could not help but notice that Kevin Lee has retired again, because this is the second time. Remember, he retired once before, and then he came back after a little over a year, and this was while he was in the UFC, not while he was outside the UFC. He came back, and he had a bad run, and then he got cut or his contract was up. I can't remember if they actually cut him or just didn't opt to sign him again, but he left. He had one fight against Diego Sanchez in Eagle FC. He barely won the fight. He gets the call back to the UFC and just proceeds to get fucking smoked. Had his influencer brother out there and everything. And it was, man, you know what? I don't agree with everything Kevin Lee says, his beliefs, any of that stuff. However, I am a fan of Kevin Lee because when he first came on the scene, he was th- he was that guy, you mm-hmm. know? And it w- he was fun to watch. I don't know what happened. Somewhere along the way, he dropped the ball. And for those of you that may have forgotten this small little blip in the, the the Kevin Lee historical files. Remember, early last year or maybe late 2021, he had a very public battle with Adderall addiction. <laughs> Remember the video of him willfully dumping out his bottle of Adderall down the sink. I wonder if maybe that addiction weren't a little longer standing than maybe we all assumed. I'm not saying that that's the case. 
I'm saying, I wonder that because his fall from grace inside that cage was quick and abrupt. It was like falling off a cliff. It was not the gradual decline that we see with a lot of fighters. His was just bam, hit a wall, fell off. Victor, talk to me. He fell off pretty hard, yeah. And you know what I, I, I didn't really believe in him much until I saw him beat Ronaldo. Yeah. I don't. I know I must have mentioned this at some point. But I, 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 that's where I was like, holy shit, this kid really. I mean, like I knew he was good, but I'm like, yo, he is for real because the manner in which he dispatched this veteran and made him look, you know, very, very human. Uh, I don't think anybody had ever done that to Ronaldo before. And you can argue that he was getting up there in age or whatnot, but. Kevin Lee was Kevin Lee, man. You still saw flashes of it. You mentioned the Gregor Gillespie fight a couple of weeks ago, right? You know, again, you you see where the dude is just capable of doing amazing things, but it always seemed like there was something that wasn't clicking. I remember somebody mentioning, I think it was earlier, earlier today, that you know maybe he didn't fully recover from the passing of his coach. Uh, I I don't know how much that might have to do with it. I don't know that getting rid of your Adderall is the best thing. Uh, if you have a situation with addiction and you maybe are capable or able, if you have access to treatment or therapy or some sort of help, you know, you can at least get your dosage regulated. You can at least get things fixed up. Maybe the lack of that wrong might be a, a concern here. You know, I, I don't I, I've never been on that kind of medication. I mean, I just personally here, I suspect that I might have some sort of ADHD thing. Like, I know there's something going on with me, but I've never been. um diagnosed i i've never had any sort of medication but i know what it's like to have that that lack of productivity that distraction the inconsistency and then like fuck i need something i need to get out of this rut i can understand where that becomes um, a very heavy burden for someone and for him to think okay cool I, I'm, I'm gonna fix this problem and when he finds a solution it's something that ends up leading to an addiction yeah that's gotta suck man Big time. So um, I, I get it. And I've, I've always had a lot of sympathy for him for that. But then it's like he does this and then he does it on threads. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't know, like the weirdest uh, new social media phenomenon, which I guess like you're on Twitter. Why would you do it there when you know that there's more people seeing it? I, was it a moment of vulnerability? Maybe he wasn't 100 percent sure. The manner in which he phrased it, we're like, I don't know how to put the words into video. There's mm -hmm. more life than fighting. Like, it still sounds like he's waffling a bit, right? Exactly. I mean, it, that was what just, I was thinking, too, that maybe he didn't want to do it, but he's feeling forced into it because of the really, really quick way he got, man, he got dropped and then he got choked out so fucking fast under a minute. Yeah. It's it's yeah. really sad. Um, we're going to move on from that to an uplifting story, sort of. Sort of, because it has a caveat, a huge one. But I have a new favorite flyweight. Oh, God. And his name is Alessandra Pantoja. Okay. And the reason why is because, one, fights his heart out. Really fights his heart out. Number two, that post-fight speech was incredible. And it ripped my heart right out of my chest. Because I, too suffer from having shitty parents. Mm. Now, his mother 
you know, notwithstanding because his mother is uh, raised him and his his brother, his sibling, and you know he shouted her out and gave her massive props, and I salute her. But it was his father that, you know, he was he was trying to get attention who had left a long time ago. Now, I don't have that situation. I just have a harpy of a mother who was a shit mother. So I kind of sympathize with him a little bit, empathize yep. with him a little bit uh, yep. in in that regard. But just everything that's transpired since the, the things that we found out like this one. This one right here, that he had to drive for Uber Eats until just two fights ago. Now, if that is not an indictment of UFC fighter pay and UFC treatment of their fighters, their their champs, their contenders, this this guy is wearing a belt and just two fights ago, he had to drive for Uber Eats because, and I quote, Money was short. My wife had started to clean houses and I started to drive for Uber Eats. But I'd do this again if I needed to, you know? It's not just about myself. This is about my family and my kids, my two boys. And holy fucking shit. That just, just reading that makes me a little emotional here. Look at the fight he turned in with Brandon Marino. And then... Let that sink into your brain, that, that sentence there. Money was short. My wife had started to clean houses, and I had to start to drive Uber Eats. He had, um, at one point, I believe, sent his family back to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is, this is the, um, I, I believe it's been referred to as the NFL of MMA. Did you also, know that? Have you heard that before? Also, bigger than soccer. Oh, it's taken over the world, boy. Yeah, it's it's that that fever. Catch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good shit. Good shit. This is the thing, man. This is what people need to understand. This is where the rapaciousness of it. And people is, yeah, you buddy, ugly, too negative. But man, go fuck your mother. All right. You don't see this and think this is an inspiring tale. This is good. This is the same shit. The same mentality that keeps people dragged and mired in absolutely horrible situations. This is just as bad to me as when you see those stories of like, this little girl set up a lemonade stand to pay for her mother's cancer treatment. You motherfucker, why are you celebrating this? That is a failure. That is not good. That this guy made it out the other end and he became champion. I'm happy for him. Mm -hmm. He struggled. He made it. What if he had maybe, just maybe, slipped on a banana peel, injured his knee again? Thank you. What then? You know, like, do you want these people to be training and performing as high level athletes? Yes or fucking no. Then why don't you compensate them as such? And that's the thing. That's where people, when they get mad at us for the way that we bring this stuff up and the fact that we are, in fact, more invested in the well-being of these people who put their lives and well-being on the line for our entertainment and for the pursuit of glory. How do you argue with someone like that? You don't. You shouldn't. Just leave these people alone because they're not going to fucking get it. We see it. People here listening right now, they understand. The people that, that know, know. For people who understand it, no explanation is necessary. For those who don't, no explanation will fucking do. That is the reality here. This guy, 
I, I'm, I'm so, so happy. Like, even though, even though I thought Brandon was going to win, uh, you know, you, you cannot look at this situation mm-hmm. and not be thrilled that, you know what, I'm glad that things broke this way and that a, a genuinely decent guy that we know of, at least, went through all these trials and tribulations and he made it to the top of the mountain finally. Yeah. Fuck, now- man. I mean, it, it, it comes at a cost. You know, you still feel that bitterness in that cup. Let me let me read you some more of that cost, because, boy, I mean, with every word of this story, it gets worse. He says one week before the fight with Royval, I'm delivering Uber Eats. It's raining. I'm sick. When Mm -hmm. I go to fight week, I'm very sick and I'm very scared of getting COVID again. And I just prayed it's not COVID because I just had it a month before my bills. You know what I mean? All I could think about was my bills. When I made weight and everything is okay, I just say thank you for God because I had a knee injury. My ACL was completely broken and I was sick. But when I got the money off the fight, I knew it was okay. I had six months to live, but then I won the fight and I won the bonus. So now I can have surgery and relax for a couple of months and recover. Holy shit. He had to win a bonus to be able to get the surgery that he desperately needed. Yep. That's the move. That's the thing. Now, at that point, right? I mean, did he suffer that injury while training? Does the USC's uh, liability insurance cover that? I don't know. Uh, It seems like maybe not if he had to go out of pocket. Or maybe he was just concerned, like maybe they did cover it and just the cost of living and and, and having to just stay alive. Yeah, he did mention that he needed the the six months to recover. So I think Mm -hmm. that was more the the, the blessing of the 50,000 was to be able to allow him the recovery time more than the surgery. It's so sad. I mean, I when I read this story, Victor, it just really rip my heart out i mean you you imagine you imagine you like you you order some you 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 order some chinese food some shit and the number three ranked ufc flyweight oh shows my up god the door. do you do know you, what i would oh my just, lord <laughs> oh, that man would have got a five thousand dollar tip off me <laughs> but still i mean think about that for a second christ on a cracker down in Florida, you could have had your Uber Eats delivered by Alessandra Pantoja, UFC flyweight champion, undisputed. Wow. Unbelievable. All right. Yeah. So I got to get off this before I get back on it and go into another whole death spiral spiel. Let's, let's talk about UFC 290 because... Top to fucking bottom, that card was a winner. Every single fight delivered. It's been a (laughs) long time since I've been able to say that. And it's been a long time that I've been able to say that going into the fight, looking at it on paper, looking at a card on paper and saying, that's the fucking card right there. How long has it been? Last year, probably. 
And you know what? For a job well done, Mick Maynard can take the next weekend off. It looks like he already fucking did. It did does. It does. But we'll 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 approach that in a moment. I do want to. I do want to go down through some of the fights that we picked, and I also want to note that Mookie came in first this week by one, because. We picked eight fights, but one of them got knocked off the Jack Della Maddalena fight. We'll get to actually pick that with this uh, this coming weekend's card. But of our seven picks that stood, Mookie went four and three. He got uh, Tetsuro Taira right, Bo Nickel, Alessandra Pantoja, and Alexander Volkanovsky. You and I both picked the same. We went three and four because we picked Marino. So let's actually look at the card because it was gangbusters. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was really gangbusters. Uh, let's start at the top and talk about Alexander Volkanovsky uh, just destroying Yer Rodriguez. Now, Yer got in some good shots, but Alexander Volkanovsky ate those shots like they were candy. And returned fire tenfold. Now, there was a headbutt in there that a lot of people pointed out. But in my personal opinion, because I have gone back and watched again, it didn't look to me like Yair was much worse for wear from that headbutt. It didn't look like it affected much at all. Other people think otherwise. Personally, for me, I didn't think it mattered that much. Victor, did you see it? Did you think that the headbutt came into play? I didn't think it did. No, I, I really think it was a very uh, minor element. More, you know, all things considered. I mean, I guess maybe it's the fact we've seen really like way worse ones. I'm not sure. I, I, yes, yes. I, maybe that's. I, I really hope that that's not coloring my perception of, of what exactly transpired here, but. Um, I just, it, it didn't seem like it did much, you know? I mean, I was a little worried there for a second, like, oh shit, yeah, this, this might be a thing. Yeah. But no, no. And there was a neat little sequence, too, where that he, in the end there, where he was getting ready to get the finish, he had hooked, he had hooked Rodriguez's leg there and just didn't let him go. I mean, the way that he makes those minor adjustments to trap legs and to trap arms and just basically put you in a fucking pretzel knot. Man, Volkanovsky, he's my goat. Right now, of the active people, he's the goat, in my opinion, above John Jones. I mean, that's not, and I, I know this is going to sound like pure haterism. Believe me when I tell you it is not. I don't think John Jones, before this fight, I don't think he was, you know, the best active fighter regardless. Although he did win the ESPN Fighter of the Year. Did you see that? I saw that. And I'm yeah. like, why would you do that? It should have gone to Volkanovsky. It's I a mean, marketing thing. That's all. This exactly. Is, this is, yeah. I mean, it's it's very clear the ESPN is in bed with the UFC. I mean, they are broadcast partners. But further, let's not forget that Jeff Wagenheim came out publicly and said, hey, ESPN told us we can't 
cover Dana White slapping his wife. And let me just quote what he said exactly. It says, we've been told to not write anything incendiary on social media about the Dana White situation. And I understand why and have abided by that. I just ask y'all to understand that some of us at ESPN do not have as soft a take as this one on domestic violence. So if you ever needed a bigger clue that ESPN is always going to tow the UFC company line, there you have it. Because this was directly after Dana White was caught on video slapping his wife a few times. So, I mean, how did, how did Aljamain Sterling not get that? I'm just curious. Like, This is like, to me, it's like the MMA equivalent of the uh, you know, sexiest man alive. You know, oh, do you have a project coming up? Okay, cool. Here. It, we're going to put you on the thing and you end up with some of these the weirdest people getting it's not like it's not the days of uh brad pitt and, and robert redford and george clooney anymore now they're they're putting up some dudes you're like wow really that's that's what you got going on like oh it turns out they got you know a tv show coming out oh they've got this thing here in their pr team lobby for it. this is this is like what it's starting to smell like with this shit i don't know that that's exactly the case but it certainly looks like it from past experience because seriously how else does that happen and yeah, it just, it speaks to the same thing, right? You know, one hand washing the other. And uh, I mean, none of, none of the PFL fighters got this kind of shine. I mean, Ray Cooper beat the shit out of Jake Shields twice. He almost won the tournament. He, he ended up doing it the year after, right? Brendan Lochman, one of the greatest comebacks ever. PFL is an in, in ESPN uh, uh, broadcast partner, but they don't bring in the goods. They don't have as cozy a relationship. So you're not going to see any of those guys get that award anytime soon. Exactly. Now we're going to move on to the co-main event, Alessandra Pantoja defeating Brandon Marino in what could be fight of the year. There's no two ways around it. That fight was gangbusters. A true slobber knocker in the, the words of the great Jim Ross. Man, that fight was everything. I, I couldn't have asked for a better fight if I tried. Victor? I'm just so happy that we're seeing these guys, we're seeing this division evolve at a level that they're putting everything out there and fans are like really responding to and reacting to it, mm-hmm. respecting the skill, seeing the high level that these guys have and really looking at flyweight in a manner that unfortunately people hadn't done before. And a large amount of that lays at the feet at the UFC. You know, I don't really believe that they were going to shutter the division, but it seems like, you know, when, when, when you get to that point where you start floating that idea, uh, that that just shows, you know, there's there's some level of incompetence and, and lack of foresight because women's flyweight wasn't doing too hot, but that stayed alive for, you know, quite a bit. It never got shitted on by, uh, you know, by omission or by um, by by lack of prestige presentation. Uh, the way that flyweight had and and now look and so you know when you when you come out the other end of that and you see this it's like all right you know what good people are, are showing uh a, a lot more love because these guys really deserve it man they went after it what the hell man what an amazing fight one of the best title fights in history hands down indeed now we get to Dricus Duplessis, and I looked oh. it up. His last name is with the I and without with the silent S. But you're right. Okay. His first name is with the hard S. So Dricus Duplessis, 
Man, I hate saying this out loud. Defeated Robert Whitaker, and he made it look easy. Listen, we were sleeping on Drikas. He has clearly been going back to the drawing board between every fight because he looked like an entirely different fighter in there. A lot of people, including the commentary team, they kept saying that he was he was trying to get him in a, in a head and arm throw. And that's not what it was. He literally went for a headlock and tripped him. That's how he got him down. It, it wasn't a head and arm throw. It was a trip off a headlock. No, no, wait, 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 wait. You're you're telling me (laughs) that you expect these people to understand and 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 properly explain what they're seeing, what's unfolding right the fuck in front of them. (laughs) That's your first mistake. Hey, listen, they already got your money. You understand? Exactly. They're not trying to do that. At this point, Rogan's just going out there to have fun. This this is not this is not somebody that I take seriously in any arena when it comes to anything regarding opinions or analysis on any subject. I'm sorry. I just, I just, I'm so done with it. They're they're not sending their best. They're not. They're not. It didn't used to be that way. There was a time when Joe Rogan was, was the voice that you turned to for stuff, but it seems like he's been phoning it in for a long, long time, but that fight it was a, a really good display of Drikas's talent. I mean, he's clearly honed his knife edge to a really, really razor sharp point. And Rob went in there with a game plan, but it was a game plan that was clearly not for Drikas Duplessis at all. We ended up with Rob getting dropped, getting swarmed, and getting TKO'd. And it hurt my feelings so fucking bad. And then we get Izzy, you know, just dropped down into the middle of the cage and creating fire and hell and brimstone right there in the octagon. And listen, a lot of people are going to say, oh, that's a racist rant and blah, blah, blah. I and, and the rarest of times, I agree with Dana White what he said. Who fucking cares? He's a fighter. He's black. He's from Africa. He feels disrespected by what Drikas Duplessis did say. (laughs) So, listen, I don't care. And I won't care if this turns into an absolute shit show leading up to their fight. It's just eight weeks away. (laughs) so i don't care it doesn't matter to me i have seen worse i have seen the lead-ups to conor mcgregor's fights this is gonna be a walk in the park i i honestly do not care i gotta okay so so three things on this number one uh it seemed to me like drick has fought more like he did in ksw like mm-hmm. this is this is the guy that they were interested in and that they signed and and he fought well he clearly had a very good game plan. Luke Thomas would be probably the guy that I would point to for more because, you know, he noted Whitaker's a headhunter. Mm-hmm. Right? If yes. you move your head a lot, you use a lot of head movement. Yes. He's not going to be so so good with it. And by the time he starts getting a read, you're going to be able to break in and you're going to be able to, you know, use that same distance and chase him down. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he did. He ran after him. He started hurting him. Um, 
it just it just worked out well. He's coachable. He fights smart. He's got a good team and a good crew behind him. Mm. It seems that that nasal surgery or nostril repair, whatever that was, might have helped with his cardio as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still don't think that in a rematch uh, he would do as well against Robert. I don't think he. I don't think he beats him again. I do. If they fight another ten times, I I just I I think that Robert would probably come back a lot smarter. And, you know, find ways to, to sort of unplug that. But um, that's that's number one. You know, I, I did good for him. He got the win, whatnot. Number two, white people have got to stop trying to police <laughs> what black people say. Yep. This is not a thing. Yep. It's not a slur. It's an entirely different word in the way that Israel is using it. There is an inclusive manner and then there's a derogatory manner. OK, when someone's using it. And in form of common parlance and not to put somebody else down, that is a different thing. That is not a slur, especially not coming from a black guy. There's a bigger and and much more uh, layered uh, uh, form of context here that a lot of people are looking at. And Iril Hawani, to his credit, managed to do – he had a pretty good assessment of this whole deal and how ugly this is going to get. I, I, I got to disagree with you. I, I, I don't like the way this is – the direction that this is going. I mean, it's kind of something that was going to be possibly inevitable the way that Drakus was rising and is he getting the belt back? Um, you know, the, the bad vibes that they've had and, and, and the, the, the animosity towards each other, you know, but Drakus, I've, I've said this a few times, man, he's been stepping in it. This whole thing, like I'm the real African buddy. Mm-hmm. It's optics. Yeah. You live in Africa, you train there. We understand that, but you can't, you can't use that as a thing. Like, number one, it's kind of dickish because these people left for a fucking reason. You think Kamaru Usman made the decision at age eight or nine or ten to leave Nigeria? No, his family did. You know why? Because things were fucking hard. Okay, the same reason my family left Dominican Republic. Shit was not nice. Okay, you, you can't put that on them and be like, well, I'm the one who's going to bring it back. Well, maybe infrastructure wasn't as awesome in Nigeria or in Cameroon for guys like Israel and Usman if they had stayed to to be able to rise up and get to the level that you're at. Maybe if, if Francis had stayed in Cameroon, would he have been able to afford to train at an MMA gym and to reach a high level? I don't fucking think so, man. You know, there, there's so much that's being just not looked at because the thing that I keep saying, right, the national pastime in this country is not baseball. It's moving the goalposts as it relates to racism. Yep. And we burn a lot of fucking calories doing that. And that's what's making me so upset about this situation mm-hmm. is that to be treated in such a, a matter of just the lack of tact, the lack of dignity, the lack of any fucking shame. I, it, everyone is just talking past each other. We're applying a very American sheen and tenor to a situation that is not American at all. A situation that is that that has many other elements that a lot of folks, frankly, don't fucking understand. And that really it, it's just it's been bothering me since this whole thing started, um, you know, when, when they were yapping at each other a while back. Uh, even even Themba Garimbo, who came out and said some stuff, I think it was last month. He's like, yeah, man, you know, we're both living in africa you know we you know, he he i think he trained with drakus for a while he knows drakus he's like but you grew up in a situation where you got you know your family's better off than some people and that's just in south africa so if you're going to compare that to the situations of someone in cameroon in namibia for example in madagascar like 
bro, you know, like, how are you not reading the room on this shit? It's the one constant thing that Drake does not seem to understand. And this is where the conversation about, like, white privilege and shit like that. Well, here's an example, right? Here's a guy who's not understanding that the problem. Listen, man, they ain't mad at you because you're white. They're mad at you because you got money and you're shitting on these black guys and it doesn't look good. And he just keeps going with it. And yeah, maybe he's not the one that introduced race. He didn't have to. It's already wrapped up in the package because they are intrinsically tied as a societal matter. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to go on for another hour and a half on this shit, but it's like I, I just it, it's just such an ugly thing. I think the less we hear about that part, the better if they were just to focus more on Drickus's rise, which has been impressive and 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 izzy's uh accolades if we if we just focus far more on that than the animosity which i don't trust them to do things would be nice but it's not going to happen that way that's not what we're going to get yeah um to to put a pin in this real quick first of all uh i want to go back to your idea that robert whitaker would come back smarter and win the rematch i i salute your your thoughts there i just disagree with them Rob's been in a lot of wars and one thing that has become very clear is that chin is getting chinny and Drikas has a lot of power and that power showed itself before the the ending sequence the the first couple of times he really tapped him good lord Rob was on skates he got dropped twice I mean, it was bad. And I don't know that his chin is going to be able to take punches like that. And that's all that Drikas throws. So Mm. in that regard, I just have to disagree with you there. I'm not saying that 10 out of 10 times Drikas would win. I'm saying that if this rematch happens within, I'd say, a year, year and a half, (laughs) I don't think that he wins it. And if it happens beyond that... I definitely don't think he wins it. I just, I think that Rob's time at the top is now going to be as a gate, as a super high level gatekeeper. I don't think that he gets back in the title picture again. As far as the buildup to the fight, I'm not saying that I welcome it. I just want to put that out for our listeners because I know Victor knows what I'm saying. But I do feel the need to clarify myself. And not caring about what they say in the lead up does not mean that I welcome it or condone it. But I'm not going to go out there and be, oh my God, this is so awful. This is so terrible, blah, blah, blah. Izzy's point is a point worth making despite the fact that he's wrapping it up in a really childish package. But it's a point that needs to, to, to be made. Drikas was very, very wrong in, in some of the things that he said. And I don't think that he even realizes it. That's the saddest part about it. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's the saddest part about it, which is why I feel like this buildup, might be a little bit important, even if it is wrapped in a really ugly package for that reason right there. But anyways, we do need to put a pin in that and move the fuck on from it because Dan Hooker defeating Jalen Turner was another gangbusters fight. And Dan Hooker, 
when you see that meme of the dog in the lungs of the x-ray and they say he got that dog in him, no matter how played out it is, Dan Hooker got two dogs in him because he fought with a broken orbital and a broken arm to completion to win. And I don't give a goddamn if Adelaide fucking Bird gave Jalen Turner that last round. Oh, of course she did. Of course she did. Uh, <laughs> listen, that was all Dan Hooker in that last round. Yes, it was. See, you're you're saying you're saying he got two dogs in that X-ray. Mm-hmm. I say he got all 101 Dalmatians. Yes, that he does. That that was and Turner. Like I felt bad because going into the fight. It's like, okay, he missed weight. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. there we go. There we go. You know, like, I, I kind of thought that that was going to put a bit more of a pall over this, and I'm glad it kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad it didn't take away from what these guys did because Turner's a really talented guy. It's mm-hmm. just sometimes, you know, you're just you're just big, and, you know, you, you're, 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 you're spending a lot of time cutting weight. No, we, it, there's a lot of directions that stuff can go in and sometimes some guys burn out from that uh, sooner than others. I don't know if that's the case with him or maybe he can get it under control, but I'm glad it didn't affect this in any other more meaningful way. And we got to see a hell of a fight between two super talented guys and holy shit, man, that was, that was really impressive. I just hope that Dan gets a chance to recover and heal up because that was, that was a lot. Yeah, it was. It certainly was. Then we get Bo Nickel defeating Val Woodburn in 38 seconds. And I'm a little mad because Robbie Lawler also got his knockout in 38 seconds. But I noticed that the official record from Tapology they changed Robbie Lawler's to 39 seconds. But if you go back and you rewatch, they clearly state it was 38 seconds but because Ah. Bo Nickel got his in 38 I guess they didn't want back-to-back 38s I don't know but anyways let's just really briefly is that that really the thing though like is it like who got it faster like yes I want Robbie to have a equally fast knockout okay it was his retirement fight he got it first if they were gonna change one of them fucking change Bo's well you can't say listen listen Steffi, you're talking about the UFC. This is a mom and pop operation. They can't afford to give out this many bonuses. Right. They could give both, but they can't. They'd love to. It's in their heart. Believe me. That's McMaynard. I know he's listening. But still, I mean, you know, just just be a little more patient. I don't know. You only you only get four or five retirements in MMA. Well, he didn't even get the bonus on that. That's the other thing that kind of uh, left a sour taste is that this was the kind of card that deserved everyone getting a bonus. And when they asked Dana White about it, he laughed, snickered, whatever you want, and like, "Uh yeah, uh uh-huh, whatever, and just turned away. But he did say that a lot of the fighters were going to get something in the back locker room. But when they clarified and said, 50,000, he just snickered and turned away. So we know that it's probably going to be like the one that we saw the official letter of. Because they give you a letter saying, uh, thanks for your performance in there. We were very impressed. Here's $7,000. Because that's what the the fighter got was a $7,000 locker room bonus. That's a far cry from 50,000. But that's what Dana White said. You know, they'll get something back in the back room, in the locker room. But anyways, 
Bo Nickel defeated Val Woodburn, somebody that they probably snatched up off the regional street <laughs> and stuck him there. And of course, Bo Nickel, you know, finished him off really, really fast. Bing, bang, boom, done. Okay, let's move on to Robbie Lawler, though. We didn't pick this fight because I was terrified I would jinx Robbie. <laughs> that is what it comes down to. But Robbie went in there and he did the goddamn thing. And it was so beautiful and so impressive. And it made me fucking cry. Because to see stoic, ironclad Robbie Waller just in a heap, sobbing, fucking hell. And then his post-fight speech, which was brief, but impactful. Man, just talking about it. I feel like Joe Rogan uh, right now, getting all emotional and teary-eyed. <laughs> but yeah, that was great. Super awesome. It was 38 seconds, not 39, you motherfuckers. Jesus Christ. But anyways, Victor, <laughs> okay. what did you think of Robert Glenn Lawler doing the goddamn thing? I hope he's I hope he's gone and stays gone. He will. That's and I don't want to, I don't want I don't want to be talking about him the way we were just talking about Wanderlei. Yeah. You know, I, I really hope that it sticks for him. Enjoy your life, enjoy your kids. Just just do some other shit, man. Be free. You know, that's that's all I can want yeah. for somebody like this. And the last one that we picked on the card was Tatsuro Taira defeating Edgar Chavez. Listen, that was a good fight. Yeah. Tatsuro, you know, clearly, clearly won. No two ways about it. It was it was a dominant performance. But I will say this. Edgar Chavez was not willing to go gently into that good night. He put up a fucking fight. I told you it was good. Mm -hmm. He did. I, did. I mean, he, well. he got soundly defeated, but I mean, there were rounds where that you couldn't say he got blown out of the water because no, he, he fought so hard. Um, yeah. This is also one of those instances where I feel like Tatsuro would beat him 10 out of 10 times, but he would make it a dogfight all 10 times. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I am going to point out one other fight because I love Denise Gomez, or Gomes, excuse me. It's not Gomez, it's Gomes. Uh, her defeating Yasmin Warigi was bonkers because Yasmin Warigi was the big favorite going in. She was undefeated. And yeah. Gomes has only got two losses, her very first fight, and her... Um, her debut in the UFC against Loma Lukbunmi, and that was a unanimous decision. But I would love to see them run that back because you know what? Uh, Gomes has improved leaps and bounds since then. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see what she does next, though. I, I want to see what, what, rather, how she's paired up next and, and, and what uh, direction things go in for. Yeah. Before we, we get into UFC Vegas 77, I want to let everyone know that once a month, we are going to give away a free show in its entirety. And today, this show that we're recording is going to be the free one for this month. And the reason I selected this one is because of the dismal nature of fight offerings this weekend. We were only able to come up with four fights that anybody might be interested in that we're going to break down. And they're going to be the briefest of breakdowns. So we're giving today's show away uh, because we're going to give one away a month and because we have a shitty fight card to break down. So let's get into 
our first card, which is going to be one on Amazon Prime. And there's one fight from it that we are picking. Gary Tonon versus Shamil Gazanov. So, Victor, how do you think that goes? Um, not great. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, what, what are we doing with this card? Like, for real, I, I don't I don't know. Listen, I, slim, I, it was slim pickings, man. I mean, this was literally all I could come up with. I mean, Gary Tonin, I he's he he seems like a nice dude. I've had not any bad interactions with the guy, and he's an extraordinary grappler who has a mind for MMA. He's not mm. he's not a super complete guy, right. but he doesn't have to be. Everything he does is in service of getting to his grappling, and he does that very well. So, I have to go with him. As do I, and. Mookie is also going with him. So our next fight is going to be on the UFC Vegas 77 card. It is our co-main event, Jun Young Park versus Albert Duraya. Victor, how you going? Boy, you picked a real fucking winner, didn't you? Now, look, I, I, I will say this. Park, for his, to his credit, right, Iron Turtle, Gritty, very, very strong dude. He's, um, he's, he's really, uh, he takes a lot of damage, but he's actually gotten a lot better with his offense as of late. Like he's gotten back to getting some submission wins like he was earlier in his career. Middleweight is such a weird, weird division, right? You go from fighting Eric Anders to fighting Joseph Holmes and Dennis Tuluin. <laughs> and you go, well, I know one of those guys. The other two, not so much. It's like he's in that holding pattern, but it's kind of hard to really see where that established hierarchy is at middleweight. In fact, there are probably questions as to whether or not there really should be one. Because again, it's the top four or five guys, and then it's and then it's like you know, then it's the dragon. And I, I guess that's fine. I don't know. Durayev went in there against Chidi and Jaquani, and and he got a. Uh, Pretty ugly split decision. Uh, whatever. I, I'm going to go with the Iron Turtle, man. Park, whatever. Probably bite. You know what? No. I think Dorive is going to make it ugly and, and, and wrestle fuck him. So I'm going to go with Dorive. So are Mookie and I. And and you summed up the, uh, the analysis there perfectly. Now we get to Holly Holm versus Myra Bueno Silva. Now this is where I'm going to come in and do my spiel. Okay, are you ready for my spiel? Yes, so. All right, we have exactly three ranked fighters on this card. They would be Holly Holm, Myra Bueno Silva, and Jack Della Maddalena because he is coming onto this card. He had been removed last week because his opponent ended up with a rare brain disorder. So now he's fighting another dude that they, you know, seemingly pulled off the regional streets. His name is Basil Hafez. We are not picking that because we have no fucking clue who Basil Hafez is. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Lag on the play. I do know Basil. I used to train at the same gym as him. Very nice guy. Happy to see him finally get in the UFC. I I want to see him do well. <laughs> He's in there against Jack Della Maddalena. He's not going to do well. He's my guy. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be elated if he won. Well, of all the people in the MMA community, one person knows Basil Hafez besides his mother, family, and training partners, and that is Victor, who used to be a training partner. So, 
I don't think it was training partner. I mean, well, he was way too good to gym. be stuck with, you know, like a, a, a long, like me, you know? Yeah, but still, point made. You know him. Nobody else does. Now, the rest of my spiel, outside of those three fighters, Myra Bueno Silva, Holly Holm, and Jack Della Maddalena, only a single fight is a ranked fight. And that would be Holly Holm versus Myra Bueno Silva. But... I want to go a little further because something else caught my eye. And that is, fun fact about UFC Fight Night, home versus Bueno Silva. Viewers will have to wait until the eighth goddamn fight on the card to see a fighter that is actually coming off a win. Shout out to at Maddie H underscore 12 on Twitter. He's the one that noted that. Okay. Well, <laughs> McMahon is probably, he's, is, well, I want to check every Chuck E. Cheese in Vegas. That boy's got, I bet you, you're going to see him at like some, some kid's birthday party or something like that. That man had commitments. That man had some other shit to do. Clearly not this. This man wanted the weekend off and he fucking got it. He did. He really. You know, did. we all talk about the rise of AI automating everything, taking our jobs. Man, I think they're. I think they're making these matches. Yes. How else you come up with this shit? This is crazy. Yep. So, anyways, we are gonna pick Holly Holm versus Myra Bueno Silva. Uh, you know, listen, Holly Holm is forty whatever. That's a person that is aging so fucking gracefully inside the sport. Forty-one. Forty-one. Yeah. She's going to be 42 in October. Wow. But we yeah. do have to gauge the competition. We do have to do that. And the competition is very light right now. And it's just very thin. So it's easy for her to stay up top. Let's just say that. Because 135 is not the deepest division. Anyways, that said, she's fighting Myra Bueno Silva and... You know, bing, bang, boom. I just think she's going to do it because she's been doing it all along. She's strong. She's got good striking. She's got good wrestling, too. I just think she gets it. So you're going with Myra for this? No, I'm going with Holly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I believe, uh, yeah, Smokey is also going with Holly Holm. I mean, you kind of have to, given the body of work and given the fact that, as you mentioned, right, she's still physically very capable. She's still um, a, a, a spectacular athlete, and she's still super technical. It's not the most exciting fighting style a lot of the time, but it gets it done, and she's got layers to her game, and she's really good in a lot of other avenues. So Myra, though, like, I don't think that the opportunity for an upset is as low as some people might think. I don't think this is going to be easy for Holly. I think this is – I've been seeing how Myra's been training. We're seeing how she's been winning lately. Um, she's been putting things together, but it's a long, long game of catch up. And I don't know that this is a situation where Holly's in sort of, um, a pronounced type of decline that would lead for, you know, Myra to finally take that opportunity. You know, like, I, I don't, I don't see that just yet. I do think this fight's going to probably be a lot better than we expect on paper. Um, or rather in practice from what it looks on paper, I should say. But I, I, yeah, I, I, can, I have to go with Holly Holm on this. All right. Okay. So 
Finally, we get to our last bout, and it is a boxing bout, and it is a ladies' boxing bout. And Alicia Baumgartner is taking on Christina Leonardo. And listen, Alicia Baumgartner is so awesome. I love her, and she's gorgeous. Yeah. But beside that, she's a badass. And so I cannot help but think that she's going to badass her way right through Christina. So I am taking Alicia Baumgartner, as is Mookie, and Victor. I am going to do that, too. Why not? There you have it, folks. We have completed four fantastic fights, or three mediocre ones in a great boxing match. How about that? (laughs) Because we had very slim pickings this week. So, on that note, we're going to wrap up the show. But... We want you to do something for us. We want you to subscribe. We're giving you this one for free, but please, if you would, subscribe. Help us out. And if you're already a subscriber, please share this with your friends and family that may not be subscribers. We need all the help we can get to keep our family together. Um, Follow this guy on Twitter. He is at Vic M. Rodriguez. He is also on Instagram with amazing food and travel photos. He is at Victor Sinister Rodriguez. He is also on OnlyFans, Tiger Driver 91. You can follow Mookie on Twitter. He is at Mookie Alexander. He is also the managing editor over at SB Nation's Field Goals website. So you can find him there if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan. Uh, Victor and I obviously work for Bloody Elbow. Please check out our work there and subscribe to our Substack. And after that, y'all already know the drill. Until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.